This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. All right, David, this is going to be segment number one. Then we're going to pause and do another segment. And that second segment will be segment number four. And I have to cough. Hang on. (coughs) Hopefully I don't have to do that while we're recording. All right, we will begin in three, two, one. Welcome to this week's edition of America's Voice for Energy. I'm Marita Noon, Executive Director of the Citizens Alliance for Responsible Energy and the companion advocacy organization, Energy Makes America Great, Inc. Each week here on America's Voice for Energy, I have the opportunity to interview many of the experts who helped me craft each week's column. And it expands the perspective of the column beyond the limited word count. You know, it's so frustrating. I do so much research for each and every column. But yet I need I try to stay within about a 1,200 to 1,500 word count because when it gets longer than that, people lose interest. I also then produce a 900-word count version and a 600-word count version. Some of the websites that publish my work prefer the 900-word version, as do some newspapers. And then most of the newspapers that publish me publish the 600-word version. So those shorter versions give me extra motivation to try to keep my word count uh, lower. So it's interesting when I've got so much content, so much research to try to get each week's column into that desired word count. This week, my column, The Buffalo Billion Fraud and Bribery Scheme, Corruption and Pay-to-Play, a symbol of everything they're doing, came in at about 1,350 words, right in that desired ballpark of where I tried to get it. Now, this week's column was inspired, I was alerted to the topic, by our first guest, who's been with us on America's Voice for Energy several times before, Mary Kay Barton, who's really a citizen activist from upstate New York. When I was in New York in June, I had the opportunity to visit her in her home, and she took me out to see some folks that live near her that have wind turbines surrounding their property. When you look north, you see wind turbines. When you look south, you see wind turbines. You look east, you see wind turbines. You look west, you see wind turbines. They're all over the place. Mary Kay alerted me to this week's story first by sending me a link via Twitter or maybe tagging me on Twitter to a column titled or a a report from Investigative Post called Solar City Slashes Buffalo Factory Commitment. Well, you know, I've written on Solar City many times, and so, of course, this piece caught my attention, and I was tempted to write on it that very week. But then uh, the earthquakes happened in Oklahoma City, and for me, that was too big a story to ignore. So I didn't write on it that week. Then I thought, well, I'll write it on it next week. Well, then the story of Donald Trump uh, telling Ford that if they moved to Mexico, he was if he was president, he was going to charge them a big tariff. That Ford moving to Mexico story came out. And I had a unique idea on that, so I felt like I had to write it. Well, you know, it was so fortuitous that I did not write on this story the two weeks prior. Because on September 22nd, 
this story got much, much bigger. And what happened is that the Attorney General of the state of New York uh, announced a criminal investigation into the Cuomo administration for fraud and bribery that involved the Solar City factory in Buffalo. So, wow, the story's just perfectly tied together, and with all the work I've done on green energy, crony corruption, this was a perfect tie-in. So, Mary Kay, thanks for joining us once again, and thanks for alerting me to this story without you. I, I would have never known about it, and I don't think it's gotten much national attention. Hi, Marita, and thanks for having me. And uh, with uh, the first presidential debate mixed in the middle, that, that could be why. But I do want to offer one correction right off the bat. It was not the New York State Attorney General who is... Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Thank you for that correction. Go on. It's Attorney Pre Barrera who uh, was also responsible for taking down the two top players uh, in our state, uh, Dean Skelos and Sheldon Silver. They've already been uh, charged with corruption by the same attorney who is now looking into uh, filed charges against nine separate people re regarding this Buffalo Billion fraud and corruption, which includes the Solar City plant, which is most of the Buffalo Billion. Yeah, and thank you for that correction. You are 100% correct. Now, he is a federal attorney, correct? I do believe. He, he, yeah. he operates out of New York uh, City, I do believe. Yeah, my research showed his office was in Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite a startling uh, report. What's the attitude towards this, this corruption allegation uh, in, New York, in New York State? Well, of course... Um, I've seen stories since the original story came out that uh, uh, Governor Cuomo showed up in Buffalo and uh, now he's doubling down on the whole Buffalo Billion thing and says this is this will all be cleared up, don't worry, just look the other way. You know, it sounds like Hillary Clinton talking about her emails. <laughs> yes, well, you know, I was excited. And again, you drew my attention to the piece from the Washington Post that I was able to incorporate into the story about Hillary Clinton when she was running uh, for Senate, uh, for Senator of New York State. Um, and she promised 200,000 jobs would be created uh, in uh, upstate New York. And um, what, what, what happened there? Well, they never materialized. <laughs> uh, no, New York State is no better off than she was here, and, and I dare say it's a lot worse off. Um, continuous population decline um, since she's been here. Um, actually, she showed up in 2000, I believe is when her stint is as New York State senator began. Um, prior to her showing up here, um, in December of 1999, our electricity rates were at about 13.3 cents kilowatt hour, and they've gone up by more than 50% since then uh, because she's right on board with Governor Cuomo and the whole, you, you heard her talk uh, during the debate that 
yeah. he wants to put 500 million solar panels all over. And, 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 and New York State is a testimony to why this green energy is not going to work. You know, they've, well, they've made all these promises and more jobs, more jobs. That's what they told us here in, in Wyoming County where I live. They wanted to put over 2,000 wind turbines. We've, we've got 308 so far. And there's no jobs here. It, it, it's all there. It, well, you've written about it prolifically, and, and you understand. It, it's cronyism. They're, they're, it's a transfer of wealth scheme as far as I can see. Yeah, and that's certainly what the allegations in this case indicate that the people who uh, benefited, well, let's, let's just do a little bit of an explanation, uh, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more with our next, next two guests, uh, and then we're going to come back with you, Mary Kay, and wrap up the show for this week. But the, back in 2012, Governor Cuomo announced that he was going to invest, and always whenever you hear a uh, government official promising to invest, that's like a big red flag that taxpayer dollars are, are heading out somewhere. And in many cases, especially when this green energy stuff is involved, these taxpayer dollars seem to be heading not just out to worthwhile projects, but into the pockets of, of donors of, of that political official. And in this case, that's Governor Cuomo. So he announced a billion dollars for this Buffalo Billion project, which was to revitalize the economically depressed area of Buffalo, New York. Is that right? That would be correct. So the allegations that came out say that um, nine people have been, have been charged with corruption and that as soon as uh, this project was announced or any uh, – that the uh, project was announced that they had to put in, what, an RFP, a re request for a proposal, and they structured that in such a way that the only people who could meet that request for a proposal were people who were Cuomo donors. Uh, apparently, that's what, uh, that's what Mr. Barrera's uh, um, reporting that's, is that's showing. Yeah, that's what his research showed. And then they, the big project, as you said, is this Solar City factory. And $750 million was dedicated to that. And that contract was awarded to, um, I'm not sure if I'm selling, saying the last name right, but I'm sure you know, L.P. Simonelli? Simonelli, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. And that factory, that plant, uh, the Solar City plant is now built, correct? The shell of the building is up, but there, it's my understanding that there's, um, there's no equipment up in there yet, and what is there is still laying around in boxes. Um, they, uh, it's also my understanding that the cost of the plant has gone up by another $220 million from, uh, from bid breaking. And that, you know, so we're getting closer to, you know, a billion dollars. A billion. Seven hundred and fifty million. Um, we yeah, well, even, heaven forbid that it should come in under budget. 
Well, the, the Buffalo Billion was not only supposed to be the solar city. Uh, that was only supposed to be part of it. There's, there were some other projects that were included with the Buffalo Billion that is, you know, now in way in excess of actual actually a billion dollars. But the, the Solar City factory itself, which was just one part of the Buffalo Billion, is getting close to the billion dollars all by itself. Wow, it, it's amazing um, what what's happened. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk, or when we come back after at the conclusion of the show, we're going to talk about Solar City a little bit more. And what, you know, what's the likelihood of success that this thing will ever, ever come through as promised? In our next segment, stay tuned with us, listeners. We're going to be talking with Jim Heaney, and he is the founder and editor of the Investigative Post, which is the, the report uh, that Mary Kay first sent me a few weeks back that got me chasing down this particular story. I know you'll want to stay tuned and listen to the whole thing because it's, it's a fascinating story, and it's something that has not gotten a lot of national attention. So stay with us for another segment in just a few moments with America's Voice for Energy. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. This week we're talking specifically about Buffalo, New York, and a big project there called by Governor Cuomo the Buffalo Billion. The cornerstone of that Buffalo Billion project is a gigafactory, as Elon Musk likes to call it, for Solar City to build solar panels there. When the program was announced, it was announced that it was going to create 1,460 direct factory jobs, something that would bring economic growth to the uh, troubled region of Buffalo. I became aware of this project when a, a colleague of mine sent me a link to an article titled Solar City Flashes Buffalo 
factory commitment. It was written by a gentleman by the name of Jim Heaney, who's the founder and editor of the Investigative Post, which is a nonprofit investigative reporting center that began four and a half years ago. And Jim is the founder and editor, and they have a, probably a, through broadcast and print reach about a quarter of a million people with their work. So I'm delighted, Jim, that you've agreed to join us today to talk about your report on Solar City and uh, the job commitment. Right, happy to be here. Fire away. So tell us about, because you, you've been with the Buffalo News for years prior to taking on this, this uh, project, Investigative Post. How, what's the economy in Buffalo? Well, the economy since the 80s uh, has, has not been good. Buffalo was a big manufacturing town, and, you know, we, we lost uh, Bethlehem Steel closed, Republic Steel closed, uh, a lot of heavy manufacturing elsewhere scaled back. So the 80s and 90s were not we're not kind to the Western New York economy. Um, th there's been some ups and downs along the way. Uh, there's been an uptick the last uh, three or four years. Uh, Buffalo is, uh, you know, not in the doldrums that it was. It's doing somewhat better. Uh, but job creation and economic activity, while it's while it's improved in recent years, still lags behind uh, national averages. So we're we're doing better, but not especially good. I think would be the best way to describe it, which is actually very different from the way uh, the politicians, Governor Andrew Cuomo in particular, has tried to portray Buffalo. Uh, uh, he he and his folks have tried to portray Buffalo as a new boomtown that ought to be emulated by other uh, you know Rust Belt communities, uh, you know, around the country. And, uh, you know, like I say, there has been some improvement in the economy. Uh, there's a lot more confidence among uh, among people in Buffalo that, that we're heading in the right direction. But but there's, we still have a, a ways to go. Now, uh, I didn't have an opportunity to include this in my column, but from other research that I did, uh, I saw that, that this increase in Buffalo that you've mentioned, that it's not quite as bad as it was, not as good as the governor wants to make it sound like. But my understanding is that this increase, this uptick in the economy in, in the Buffalo region, western New York, has nothing to do with the governor's Buffalo Billion Project. Would you agree or disagree with that? Well, I, I think where, where the governor's Buffalo Billion has made a difference, I think, is in the psychology of the community. I think people, because because there's been an improvement in the economy uh, that's not related to the Buffalo Billion, uh, and couple that with the state making a billion dollars uh, worth of uh, investments in, in the community, I think that combination has really, um, has really improved people's outlook. Uh, Buffalo historically is a, a kind of the mindset is kind of woe is us, and and I think we've shed that to uh, to a fair degree uh, in Good. part in part because of the Buffalo Billion and in part because uh, you know Cuomo has kind of called the community out on that kind of you know kind of losers mentality. In terms of uh, what the real impact on the economy has been so far, it hasn't been much because most of the projects that the Buffalo Billion is funding um, are for facilities that have yet to open for business. So you've got several. Several hundred jobs have been created. Uh, in construction, uh, I assume. 
Well, no, I mean, in terms of, I mean, there's been a lot of construction jobs created. I mean, the, the solar plant uh, in South Buffalo, uh, it's, it's a huge plant. It's 1.2 billion or 1.2 million mm-hmm. square feet. Uh, you know, employment uh, at the peak of the construction topped a thousand there. So, but but I don't kind of I, I don't view construction jobs uh, as as the way to measure these things. It's really what sort of permanent employment uh, sure. follows construction, and because these projects are still under construction, uh, you know, th- there's been a couple of hundred jobs created, primarily at a second. Buffalo Billion project involving Albany Molecular Research, uh, which is a drug, uh, a pharmaceutical drug uh, R&D uh, company. Um, so, you know, Buffalo as a job market is about 570,000 uh, 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 jobs. And, you know, and the Buffalo Billion so far has created a couple hundred. So what, whatever uptick there has been has has very little to do with, with the Buffalo Billion. Now, down the road, you know, uh, down the road, you know, the governor's strategy is, is to seed the solar uh, industry here. Uh, solar cities uh, on the hook to create 1,460 jobs, 500 at the factory, and the balance in other operations. Um, they're also uh, obligated to help establish a supply chain that would um, create another uh, roughly 1,500 jobs. So the solar plant uh, is supposed to create or be responsible uh, directly and indirectly for about 3,000 jobs. And, and, and the thinking, the governor's thinking on this is if, if, I, if I get one big solar panel manufacturing uh, plant here, it will seed uh, an industry that will, you know, ultimately, you know, much like nanotechnology is done in Albany, uh, you know, you, you develop a cluster and you will uh, eventually right. have a lot more more than just one plant in in one company. Um, you know the the real challenge uh, in, in that strategy is is a couple of fold. Uh, solar panel manufacturing is a very very volatile and competitive business, <clears throat> and uh, winners and losers. Yeah, are, and most of our solar yes, panels yes, in the country right now are coming from China. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's competitive within the country. It's also competitive with, with, with international markets, China in particular. Uh, the second real challenge is the company they've selected, Solar City, is, is a financial mess. Uh, they've been losing money since they opened their doors. Uh, they are, every year they lose more money than the year before. They're on, they've, they're on track to lose more than a billion dollars this year. Uh, and uh, so it's, it's a volatile industry with a company that's, that's not in very good shape financially. So it's, it's kind right, of and that's why Tesla's, Tesla's had to uh, come in and, and, and make an offer to purchase SolarCity, and that's under lawsuits. I mean, it, the whole thing is a mess. Yeah, so it's it's uh, you know the governor the, the 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 plant between construction and equipment is seven hundred and fifty million dollars. So a majority of the Buffalo billion, which is actually going to be in excess of a billion dollars, but the lion's share of that is going toward this one facility. So he's he's kind of bet the farm on this one project. 
Yeah, and I don't want us to run out of time, and I want to get to kind of back to, back to the key thing that your report wrote about. And you mentioned that there's now going to be 1,460 jobs that Solar City's committed to, but those are those are not all going to be at the plant. But that's not what the original deal was. Can you explain that? Well, the original deal was the plant was going to employ 1,460 uh, people. The plant, the revised commitment is the plant's going to employ 500, and uh, and then the balance of those positions will will be uh, yet to be determined. It could be uh, sales, it could be service, it could be it could be any number of of of. of you know, jobs uh, or, or different types of jobs, but that's that's yet to be determined. So, and those know, jobs they, would probably not be directly in Buffalo. Well, no, no. Their 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 commitment is that those positions have to be in in uh, in the metropolitan area. So they're they're still on the hook for that number of jobs in in the Buffalo area. It's just that not all of them are going to be at the factory. And, and, and uh, do they have a time frame by which those jobs need to materialize? And what happens if they don't? Yeah, there is a time frame. I mean, they 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 expect to begin uh, to begin ramping up operations at the plant. I believe it's the second quarter of next year. Um, the the time frame for creating all fourteen hundred and sixty. Uh, there is a time frame. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't I don't know what the what the specific time frame is. I'm sure it's within I don't somewhere between two and five years. I, I would think. Mm-hmm. And and if the company does not uh, produce the jobs that they uh, that they have committed to, there are financial penalties that they have to pay some some fairly substantial uh, 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 penalties. There's an yeah. My penalty. recollection was that they there's timelines by which certain number of jobs have to ramp up. I don't remember the timeline either. But I, and then on my recollection from my research is that the penalty is something like $42,000. Oh, uh, no, it's, it's, in the, it's in the tens of millions of dollars. It's, 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 not in, it's not in... Maybe uh, it was $42 million. Maybe that's, maybe yeah, that's it, what I recall. Yeah, it, it's not, it's not an inconsequential number. Uh, there are some, some significant uh, financial penalties if, if they fail to do what they said they were going to do. Um, so in, in that sense, but of course, as you pointed out, the company's in, in financial trouble right now. And in fact, I just saw a story that they're now being sued. Solar City is being sued by someone totally different. Uh, the headline of, that I have in front of me says, uh, Musk Solar City sued for intellectual property theft. Yeah, there, there's a rival out there saying that they're, that the Solar City has uh, has uh, infringed on their intellectual property rights when it comes to when it comes to uh, their their. Technology. So that's new. That was just filed on uh, on Monday, September 26th. That lawsuit filed in in San Francisco. So yeah. adds to the adds to the risk factor certainly. Yeah. As you yeah. pointed out, this is not a this is not a solid going. Uh, enterprise that you know really needed this extra space well they you know their their business plan is you know you need to understand their business plan and you can agree or disagree with it but their business plan is is they are the largest installer of solar panels on on residential uh, you know 
buildings mm-hmm. in the country. And rather than buying technology or buying those panels from a third party, they were going to begin to manufacture them themselves. And they've really taken uh, another step whereby they, they want to, uh, in, in something that the Buffalo plant was going to produce, was, uh, was instead of a traditional solar panel that you install on a roof, um, something akin to, to, to roof, to, you know, roofing material, uh, would right. incorporate, uh, the, the ability to generate solar power through the roof, which, which is a different take on things and which could, you know, potentially give them a competitive advantage, uh, in in the long run, I you know I, I yeah. think the question here is, uh, you know, the solar industry, much like the fossil fuel industry, uh, is receiving subsidies, and the question here is whether the, this subsidy for this particular company for this particular project is a smart investment of of, of public dollars or not. Yeah. We're going to have to leave it there. We've been talking with Jim Heaney from the Investigative Post. Thank you for your time today, and thanks for joining us on America's Voice for Energy. We'll be right back after this break. This is Dr. George from Peachtree ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you'll be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. I'm Marita Noon, and in this segment, we're talking with E.J. Mahone. E.J., I'm sorry, I still screwed it up. I have it in my head wrong. McMahon, correct? Yes. All right, we're going to start over. Sorry about that. Since it was so early and I just froze on it. Okay, we're going to begin in three, two, one. Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. I'm Marita Noon, and in this segment, we're going to be talking with E.J. McMahon. He wrote a column that was very helpful for me as I wrote my column this week on the what I call the Buffalo Billion Scandal that involves Solar City. E.J.'s column is titled, Como's Solar City Disaster – could become a monument to corruption. If you're a regular listener to America's Voice for Energy, you know that I have written and spoken on repeatedly what I call President Obama's 
green energy, crony corruption scandal. So, of course, you can imagine that EJ's title about this solar city disaster becoming a monument to corruption, it caught my attention. EJ is a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, and we're delighted to have you with us for the first time today on America's Voice for Energy. Thanks for joining me, EJ. Well, you're welcome, and thank you for having me. You know, in our last segment, we were talking with Jim with the Investigative Post, and actually I became aware of this whole story because of his work. Someone, one of my sources out there, and I have lots of them, one of my sources sent me uh, a report about him talking about the jobs that were slashed, and so he talked to us about slashed jobs. So, you know, what do you think about those jobs numbers? Um, I think that Jim has done a great job through his investigative post of of, uh, pulling the cover off of this very questionable project in a lot of ways. The worst news about the the seemingly shifting job totals on this project is that even if they were delivering the jobs they promised, it's still a terrible idea. Um, And that's the ultimate problem with the whole project. Even if there was no allegation of corruption here, no allegations of bid rigging or anything of that sort, even if the jobs were as originally promised, it's still a terrible idea. And just for a reminder for our listeners, the original jobs, what Governor Cuomo uh, touted was 1,460 on-site factory jobs. And as we talked about in the last session, um, that that number has since been reduced to 500 factory jobs. And, E.J., I certainly agree with you that it is a terrible project, and I know why I think it's terrible, but tell our listeners why you think it's terrible. Well, the way this thing is structured, um, basically the state of New York has committed and, and even spent at least $750 million, $750 million, three-quarters of a billion dollars, which is borrowed, and by isn't the it, way. And isn't it over that by now? I, I read somewhere else, I didn't get this into my column, but I read somewhere else that it was now like up to $900 million. Depending on how you count, it's pushing a billion, yes. But... The, wow. the official number, look, the official number is bad enough. See, like, yeah, we, yeah, I, I let other people quibble over that, which is important, quibble importantly over how many jobs or how big is the figure grown. Let's just start with the official number, $750 million. Three-quarters of a billion dollars has been borrowed on the taxpayer's credit and handed to this company, in effect. What's going on is through a nonprofit research foundation affiliated with a state college in Albany, that's which is another story. The taxpayers yeah. of the state of New York are building and equipping a plant for Solar City, and in fact, we just handed the keys to the plant over to them. Which is Solar City really? leasing this thing for a dollar a year. Yes, so, we're not. So this is, is beyond. The I didn't norm. see anything. I didn't see anything in my research that said it was actually you know a done deal at this point. I, oh, I yeah. saw that it was due to be done by the end of September, but I hadn't seen. So they've actually handed. Uh, did they have a big ceremony? Uh, they had the governor like drop by. What happened was the plant is 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 huge. It's over a million square feet. The roof of the plant is twenty three acres, and by the way, won't have a single solar panel on it because Buffalo gets so much snow, you couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> That's an so, interesting. So there's a big yeah. Uh, you can't. There's no solar panels on the solar panel plant, even though it's an enormous flat twenty three acre surface. Um, you know, can I just chime in for just a sec? I know I'm interrupting, yeah. but I often say when I'm on, for example, a radio interview, that for I'm trying to help listeners understand 
um, how really inefficient solar panels are. And I say, you know, you probably think that you could build a plant to build solar plant panels out in the middle of nowhere. It could be totally off the grid, and they could put solar panels on the roof, and that would be enough. But no, it yeah. isn't enough because they're so energy intensive to produce them that right. you can't fill that roof with solar panels and have enough energy to run the factory. So that's just a little side note I often say. So it's interesting you point out that there won't be one solar panel on the roof no. of this Buffalo factory. And there, and there won't be mainly because it would have three feet of snow on it at some points, and so that which would strain the system. Um, mm -hmm. The the um, it, it, so we this is a step beyond you know like most states on you know most states go into this what used to be called smokestack chasing when there were still smokestacks you throw money at companies so you know Alabama like gives a hunk of money to Mercedes to build cars in Alabama or South Carolina gives you know throws a wad of money at Boeing in effect through right. incentives to, to build a, a new airplane plant in South Carolina but. And New York did that with a big chip, uh, computer chip fab plant near Albany about 10 years ago. But, but those subsidies and incentives are indirect subsidies. They're, they're very questionable on other grounds, but they're indirect. They say, you build this here, and we won't give, you, know, we, you won't pay any taxes for a long time, and we're we'll going to fix some kind of tax credit. Right, and we're going to fix the infrastructure for free and get the site all ready for you, that kind of thing. And we'll do training of your workers. That's the sort of thing that states do. And that's, look, that's questionable on its own grounds in different ways, but that's what states do. We've gone a, a step beyond that. Under Governor Cuomo, and this solar city plant exemplifies this, is the biggest of its kind. We, are, we, we, the taxpayers, through these arm's-length nonprofit affiliates, are building the plant for the companies and equipping the plant for the company, which means that if solar city does not succeed as a business, we basically own the world's largest uh, unused solar panel factory or as as solar city calls it gigafactory because everything Elon Musk is associated with is called a giga is a giga thing yeah he likes he likes to go big yeah so it's this is big this is really big now uh, help me understand, because I'm not really yeah. clear on this. It seems to me that the fact that the state of New York is going to own the factory and own the equipment was sold to taxpayers as a benefit because <coughs> if Solar City goes under, if, if the whole project doesn't work, then the state still has this viable plant. Is that right. how it was sold, or what's the problem there? Well, the, here's the problem. Okay, how many people are in the solar panel production business? But how how successful is the solar panel production business, by the way, without government subsidies? Answer, not at all. But how exactly. many companies are in the business? And do, is, is producing solar panels like, like manufacturing tires or tie rods or anything else that's sort of a commodity? No. You can't just say, hey, you can't turn around and turn to uh, – Whatever the, I forget the names of the largest competitors, but you, which you would know better. But you can't just turn to them and say, "Hey, I, we've got an empty million and a half square foot uh, gigafactory here yeah, in Buffalo okay. that was built to build solar panels. Does anybody want to use it?" The answer will be no. No. I mean, yeah. Like, well, because basically they're all they're all manufactured in China, and all of the solar industry companies uh, take Abengoa, for example, which I've tracked excessively. You right. Know, is the biggest bankruptcy. I mean, they're all in trouble. Well, this is including like, Solar City, by the way. 
Well, it's like it's like you build and equip a house for somebody who's a certain height. You've got, you know, the sinks are all made a certain way, it's furnished a certain way, etc. And then the guy moves out or like doesn't show up. What do you, you know, you can't just say this is per- this is the perfect house for you. And, I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's tailored to social it's a solar city. I'm not sure there's anybody in the Buffalo area who even wants a million and a half, half square foot warehouse. Right, right. Uh, so so it's, in my it, estimation, how it was sold to the public, that, you know, we won't, we'll have a viable business here. Yeah, I mean, the there is actually a, a, there was actually a conversation at a board meeting of the board of a related state economic development entity where one of the board members said at the meeting, I don't know, but, you know, I just want to idly, this issue of us, like, owning the, and equipping these plants, I wonder, do we really want to do that? And the guy who is basically the head, or at that time was the head of the governor's economic development agency, um, said, well, you know, that's more protection for us because then we got some, you know, we own something. Yeah, that was kind of what I guessed that their theory right. was. But you own, now that's, but, but what you own here is this, like, unique, enormous thing that does not, is not easily adaptable in anything else, and it's not worth what you pay for. By the way, let's say if the cost is 750 or let's say it's now going over 900 this was not built by a private company according to its own standards in the way a private company normally builds something, which is a private company weighs the qualification when, it, when it's looking at contractors and a factory like this. I, I feel where you're going. I feel where you're going. Keep going. You, you, you look for specialized contractors and know how to do things like this, and you, you buy specialized equipment from vendors. You, you kind of pick and, and choose. And you get and you go with the lowest right. bidder if you're the private company. If you're, but it, but you may, or you go for the lowest, you may go for the third lowest bid if it's somebody whose work you know and you trust. You, you can right, weigh right. a lot of fat. You're looking for the balance. You, you want to get the most efficient project you possibly can that has the quality you need. That's what you do when you're in business. You don't have to worry about picking the lowest bidder or anything else. That's you, you want to get the best mix of cost, efficiency, and quality, right? That's what you yeah. do in private business. That's not how this was done. First of all, the allegation in the case is that this was steered to the developer who was already a big contributor to the governor's campaign. Uh, the right. developer is reputable enough, but here's the other thing. When we uncovered this and made this point at the Empire Center and some of our work, among other things, this whole project had imposed on it a so-called project labor agreement that required everybody on the site to be a member of a construction trade union. It also was built, because it was built by a sort of a government agency, as a public works project with so-called prevailing wage, which in New York means a union contract. So this, that, all of that generally means that whatever this thing ends up costing, it probably cost at least, at a minimum, 10 to 20% more than it needed to cost. So wow. it's not like it's actually worth as much as it ends up costing to anybody who would want to plan, you know, in the private. You, you're really going to have to give it away or you take a really big discount on this thing if, in fact, Solar City doesn't show up and start successfully making solar panels or solar wow. rooftops or whatever it is they're making there, which is not even clear at this point. Well, I can see why you call it a monument to corruption. We're down to about a minute left, EJ. What else do you want to be sure we know about this project? Well, you know, the main thing is this is a classic case of the government. It's beyond the government picking winners and losers. It's the government acting as a venture capitalist with taxpayer money. You know, Solar City 
give, uh, once you build in the government subsidies, for all I know, and for all you know, frankly, maybe Solar City is going to be a winning bet. Maybe the people who own Solar City stock are going to end up getting rich. It's going to work out. It might, for all I know or you know, right? I mean, this right. it's, Wall Street analysts are divided on it. They think if Tesla merges with Solar City, it could be very successful. Okay, maybe it will be. I'm not saying it won't be. However, that's a that's a gamble. That's known as risk. That's yeah. not the type of thing you spend taxpayer money on. And there's an opportunity cost. That 750 million or more is 750 million or more that's not being spent on roads, bridges. Uh, transit, you name it, uh, you know, water and sewer lines, you Any name it. Any important project for the state of New York. The basic capital projects that we are behind in doing, um, we have $750 million or more less to do <laughs> to finance them with because we're spending them on this plant for this company. Uh, so that's so even if SolarCity was not kind of a, 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 an especially big risky bet as big bets go, Based just on what you know, Wall Street analysts say, um, it's it's high risk, high reward. Even yeah. if it was less high risk, less of a risk, and a, and a more moderate reward, it still would be objectionable because again, that's not the business we should be in. Yep, we're out of time, EJ. You've given us a great overview on this story and given us some really good insights. We've been talking with EJ McMahon, who is senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and research director at the Empire Center for Public Policy. Thanks for joining us today on America's Voice for Energy, EJ, and we'll be right back with our next segment of America's Voice for Energy. America's Web Radio is the most diverse and informative radio station anywhere in cyberspace. We have shows about health, business, current events, entertainment, home care, and everything in between. We appreciate your continued support of America's Web Radio. Welcome to our closing segment of America's Voice for Energy. We've had a wonderful show today, and the time has just flown by. In our last segment, we were talking with... E.J. McMahon from the Manhattan Institute, and he gave us kind of an interesting perspective, Mary Kay, on uh, the project and really kind of what a, what a you know, it's, the whole thing is based on a pro, a idea that's really not even sure it's going to work. Solar City, uh, I guess is what I'm trying to say, is, you know, has about a 50% chance of bankruptcy at this point. Their stock is way down. They're, they're hemorrhaging money. And the whole thing looks, looks really um, highly speculative at this point, even with the subsidies. Shaky to say the least. Investor, it's been reported that investors are pulling out. And now, especially with all these corruption charges, I think that's probably going to uh, continue. Yeah, I read that, that that IBM had pulled out and that a Japanese green energy company that was going to be there has also uh, pulled out. I don't know what else has, but I know that, uh, you know, the whole thing really seems to be questionable at this point. Yeah, and, you know, the um, the fact that, as you mentioned in the previous segment, that originally Buffalo was promised when the governor undertook this whole project that we were going to have close to 1,500 jobs created in Buffalo for yes. local residents could be working there. Well, of course, you know, they, they always talk big and it never materializes, and, and that number was flashed in May down to 500. 
And, yes, and in the factory, 500 direct factory jobs they're now promising. Yeah, maybe. And and now I've even read reports that, you know, they might not even be manufacturing anything there. They might be assembling panels. Yes. So, you know, it sounds like we've kind of turned into Mexico where China's going to be shipping us the parts and we're going to put them together in this billion-dollar factory, you know, and, yeah. and maybe maybe we'll have 500 jobs there if it ever even opens. Yes, and then today there's this new report about a lawsuit against Solar City. Yes. Uh, so it, you know the whole thing, as I said, is speculative at best. Yes. The, the, believe me, the people in here in I'm in Western New York. A lot of people um, when they say upstate New York, they think everything outside of New York City. But in all actuality, New York is a huge state, and Buffalo is on the western side of the state, and this area is referred to western New York. And then there's central okay. New York, and upstate, you know, is up into the, the, the part that stretches up north. But the whole area uh, is is desolate, poor. The population's dropping. It's been rated as the highest tax nation. So the, there's a good website called moneywalks.com that shows how many people are leaving New York State and where they're going to get out of here because there's no job. It, you know, we mentioned it in the, the, the first segment I spoke with you that Hillary Clinton was here, promised all these jobs, 200,000 jobs. They never materialized. And, and Como did the same thing with the Solar City factory, you know. And if it ever even we we refer to it as Solinder East already because everyone thinks that it's never going to open. Really? Yes. We and and you know for about twice the cost of what Solinder taxpayer money that Solinder lost. Right. It was in the five hundred million dollar range, if I yeah, recall correctly. Exactly. Five hundred and thirty-five million, I think, and we're approaching a billion. Wow! So you mentioned that it's it's um, cost more than it needed to cost. Uh, yeah, um, I I've read reports that the cost overruns, and and this is probably due to the bid rigging that they're being charged with, are already over two hundred and twenty million dollars more. Than the 750 million original estimate. Um, we spoke recently with uh, a friend of ours who just happened to be a contractor that was working on the project, and he told us that he could have done his portion of the job for three million dollars less than what he did, but the state mandated all this over-the-top things that he said just, you know, to make it like, you know, a Cadillac model, and he said it was totally unnecessary upgrades that he could have literally done his portion of the job for $3 million less. And, of course, he has, they still owe him a million and a half dollars. He hasn't received all his money yet. So I'm wow. not sure there's a lot of contractors in the same boat up there. 
Yeah, I'm sure you're right about that, that haven't been paid or that have, you know, had been really forced to do work that was, uh, as you called it, the Cadillac when the Chevrolet would have been fine. Exactly. Now, this project, you know, it was interesting to me because it's Solar City. You know, had it been a brick manufacturer or something, it wouldn't have been as much interest to me, though the crony corruption involved in the story is still interesting. But the fact that it's a solar city plant, for me, brings in the energy angle that I'm interested in. And it connects connects with Governor Cuomo's whole plan for green energy uh, for the state and that he plans to get 50% of the electricity for the state of New York from renewables by 2030. Is that correct? Yeah, and he's dreaming. Even (laughs) the the New York State Independent System Operator, NISO, has um, called out the governor's plan, saying that it couldn't work. Um, Energy analyst uh, uh, and author Robert Bryce reported on it, in a recent article that he wrote called Upstate Power Play. Uh, It's really really mind-numbing. You know, you got your own grid operator telling you, (laughs) this isn't going to (laughs) work. And he, you know, and and Governor Cuomo got a little ticked off about that. He he, he doesn't want to... He doesn't want to listen to anybody. He's got this, it's an ideological thing that, you know, they, they're going to show everybody this green energy is going to work and we're going to do it here in New York first. I mean, it's insane. The state is already so broke. He's throwing a billion dollars out the window on this plant that will probably never open. I mean, maybe it will. I hope it does. But it's just yeah, sure, we all hope. We all hope it. It helps and provides some uh, payback and reward for the taxpayers of New York, but it certainly no, uh, that is looking no. questionable. No, and you know, and in the meantime, he, he just gave a hundred million dollars to make more bike paths in a state that you know you might be able to ride a bike three months of the year. We get snow here. <laughs> You know, yeah, you know, speaking of the snow, um, our last guest, E.J. McMahon, talked about this solar panel manufacturing plant, 1.2 million square feet of this plant, doesn't have one solar panel on the roof. I think that's, that's incongruous. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, in a flat roof, if, if we have another blizzard like we had uh, the other, uh, just let, there was the year before last, the whole building might collapse. If it, well, uh, you're looking at it, it's projected that you're going to have a really cold winter. Seven feet of snow on a roof that big could be a serious problem. There was a lot of roof collapses when we had that last blizzard. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is, you know, and, and in the meantime now, besides the solar, he's pushing to put more humongous wind factories across the state. You know, and well, not, of course, if he's going to have 50% of the electricity by renewables from 2030, he's going to have to put in a lot of solar and, and a lot more wind. Well, and there's no discussion, common sense discussion, about what that's going to mean as far as um, they haven't upgraded the transmission lines. You know, they sold our energy grid out here in western New York to Iberdrola. 
while Iberdrola is also busy on the other end getting, you know, tapping into all these subsidies and incentives to put up wind factories across the state at the same time. You know, the taxpayers and ratepayers are just taking it. it it's, it's, and I mean, they don't really have choice, do they, as long as they keep electing politicians uh, with this ideology. Well, and, and that's what it is, and there's a lot of movements uh, afoot to divide New York City from upstate New York because it's it's New York City and, and they're, you know, all they're the, the, they're the big energy consumers, right? Exactly. And, and I've written in some of my reports that, you know, guys a lot smarter than me that know what they're talking about, just, you know, putting one efficient... Uh, combined cycle gas plant at New York City where they actually need the power would take care of it, you know, and, and it's it's just mind-numbing what they're going they're doing. They they haven't even talked about the transmission lines that are going to have to run across the state and what that's going to mean for destroying the environment. You uh, in, 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 in solar in New York, are they serious? It, yeah, you wrote yeah, a it's amazing about that one time. I remember. Well, hey, North, my column help. a couple weeks ago, I think three weeks ago, I talked to E.J. McMahon our, in the previous segment. Actually, I think I talked to him off the air when we were done about my column on Western Australia because they've got really similar um, green energy goals to New York. And they've already got 41% of their electricity uh, coming from renewables. But yet, when the sun doesn't shine or the wind doesn't blow, as happened to them in July, which is their winter, um, they had a really cold snap with no wind. And they were in big trouble. Their their electricity rates uh, multiplied. They were 10 times higher than they normally are, and they're already 50% higher than the rest of the country because of their renewable energy. Well, and, and that's exactly what's going on here. It was just announced in the paper the other day that our electricity rates are going to be going up again. Uh, as I mentioned to you before, before Hillary Clinton started her stint here in 2000, our electricity rate was at average residential rate was at about 13.3 cents kilowatt hour. And now it's more than, uh, it's about 50% higher, and it's just going to keep going up. I mean, how, who do they think is paying for this stuff? Yeah, it's crazy. It's well, you know, we're, we're out of time, Mary Kay. It's amazing. We've had two segments to talk together, and we still maybe could, you know, not maybe, we could continue on, but you and I share a passion for this topic, and I appreciate you joining us. Before we end, tell people how they can find the, the writings that you have done on this topic. Because you're quite prolific yourself. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I write specifically more on wind because it's so environmentally and economically destructive and civilly destructive. It destroys the towns um, that that are targeted by these uh, massive wind developers. Uh, my writings can be found on our blog site, which is Citizen Power Alliance. Uh, .org, and I've also been published on uh, uh, Climate Change Dispatch and MasterResource.org. 
Um, masterresource.org. That's the one I was thinking of. We are out of time. That takes care of it for today's show. Thanks for listening to America's Voice for Energy, heard each week on americaswebradio.com. Thanks for listening. This is americaswebradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.